Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. We are fortunate to have Mike Pilavachi in the pulpit today. We're going to hear and learn from a well-known Old Testament story about Elijah. Here's First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun with the introduction. Well, we have the privilege of having Mike Pilavachi with us. He is from England. He is an Anglican uh, priest. He is I don't know what the title. You're a co-vicar, I guess, right now at Soul Survivor Church. Um, Soul Survivor not only is a thriving, wonderful church, it also is the uh, ones who are behind and created the whole Soul Survivor festivals, where for many years uh, they would put on five festivals, we would call them conferences, uh, during the summer, and each one would have 5,000-plus kids come. Uh, Soul Survivor started out of a youth ministry, a real heart for youth who are um, who need to know Jesus, and it just blossomed into this huge thing. And, and then other Soul Survivors uh, started happening in other countries. So we're, we're having uh, with us today somebody who's really transformed England in many ways, and he's an author also of many books. He is, uh, in addition to being a vicar, he's also a canon. Uh, which is like one level up in honor or something like that. It means you're a big gun. So um, come on up, Mike, and please share your warm aloha with Mike Pilavachi. Okay. So I've told you three times already, you've got to stop asking me for money. It's just so embarrassing. Um, I apologize. It's just terrible. That's great to have Mike here. <laughs> that was really nice to you in the introduction. Yeah, and then you asked for money. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a joy to be back here. Um, just the whole canon thing, it's an, it's an honorary thing um, that is uh, for, with the, the cathedral in our diocese. Uh, I don't know why they asked me, but I, all it means is I have a chair there. <laughs> um, so um, it's, a, it's great to be back here. Uh, we love, we love your, your country. We love these islands. And we love your church. And uh, it's a joy to be with you. Um, as Dan mentioned, uh, for years, every summer, in fact, 20, 27 years, uh, we ran these festivals in the summer, these camps, these conferences for young people. And uh, they would, it, it felt like it went on forever. And I'm an introvert. And as an introvert, um, spending, spending days on end with thousands of excited teenagers is not what I would have chosen for my life. But I loved seeing God at work. And I loved seeing young people come to know him and give their lives to Christ. And so it, there were, it was a mountaintop experience. But many times at the end of the festivals, at the end of the camps, I would come home and I would crash. And I would crash emotionally and I would be exhausted and I would feel suddenly empty. And I think, what is wrong with me? You, Mike, you've just seen... God meet with people in wonderful ways. You've been there. How could this be? 
And I, I, I was puzzled about it for ages. And I, and I kept thinking that there's something wrong with me that this should keep happening. And then I read about Elijah. And Elijah's story is a great comfort. Uh, you can find it uh, beginning at uh, uh, one, well, the, what I'm going to talk about is from 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19. And uh, uh, Israel had turned from God. Ahab the king had married Jezebel, um, who uh, brought in a whole load of idols uh, to Israel. And the whole country, it seemed, had turned away from the Lord their God. And Elijah was God's man of faith and power. He was... He rose up and he was bold and he declared a drought and there was a drought and there were all sorts of other things going on and it culminated in this huge contest on the top of Mount Carmel between Elijah and 450 prophets of Baal, the idol, the god Baal. And when Elijah saw that it was him against 450, he liked the odds. Because in God's kingdom, one person plus God is always a majority. Uh, that's how it works. And uh, you can read the story in 1 Kings 18. And, the, and the, 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 the contest was that they would build an altar, put a sacrifice on it, and they would call to their God to send fire on their sacrifice. And, um, and if the fire came, then their God was king. And Elijah would do the same. And the prophets of Baal, um, they, they did it first. And I just want to read you a small passage because it, it tells you what Elijah was like. Um, then they, the prophets of Baal, they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal answered us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. <laughs> Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted loud, louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for evening sacrifice. But there was no response no one answered. No one paid attention. And, and what I love about that little passage is, I mean, Elijah was, I mean, he was naughty, wasn't he? You know, shout louder. Maybe he can't hear you. Maybe he's on holiday. Maybe, maybe this, and he was taunting them. And then when it came to his sacrifice, he poured loads of water over it just to make it more difficult. And then he prayed and the fire came down on his sacrifice. The 450 prophets of Baal were vanquished. If that was me, and occasionally I have little fantasies that it is me, that I would do something like that, I would be on cloud nine for years. I would be reminding everyone, did you see? how I defeated 450 prophets of Baal. It was just the Lord and I, and we won a great victory. What happened to Elijah straight after 
the very next thing that happened. Jezebel says to Elijah, um, she sends a message, I'm going to kill you. And he flees and he runs away. And then listen to this, verse 3 of 1 Kings 19. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Elijah, you just defeated 450 prophets of Baal, you and the Lord together. And it's like the next day, you're wanting to commit suicide. You're wanting to die. I've had enough. I'm on my own in this desert. I'm sitting under a broom tree, whatever a broom tree is. I'm sitting under it and, and he's sucking his thumb and I've had enough and he falls asleep. I want to look at three things in the time we have left that God does to, to meet Elijah and to turn him around. And they have been a comfort to me as I have discovered them because it's exactly what he does with me. And uh, um, the first one is a surprise. I remember when I was a very young youth pastor, that in the last century. And uh, it was in the last century. And, and uh, I, I was, I just done too much. I was, you know, you, when you're young, you, you go crazy. And uh, I was just flat and I was low and I was depressed. And I went to an older member of the staff, an older pastor in the church called Barry Kissel. And I, I, I went to him for advice. I knew he was a spiritual man. And I said, Barry, this is what's going on in my life. This is how it is. Um, what, what, do you, what do you think I should do? And I was convinced, I was sure that he would say, Mike, you need to read your Bible more. You need to pray more. How's your giving? How many people have you witnessed to? When was the last time you fasted? I was sure he would say that. Do you know what he said? He said, Mike, go home, get a Chinese takeaway, watch a movie, have a couple of days off. And I was disappointed. I was like, what sort of advice is that? I could have got that. That's not spiritual. Do you know what the Lord does? Elijah goes to sleep. And while Elijah is asleep in the wilderness, God sends a couple of angels from the catering corps. And because there is one in heaven, I believe it with all my heart, with all my heart. I, he sends a couple of angels from the catering corps and, and they cook him some, some, some lovely hot bread. I imagine it would be rosemary bread. I think it must have been. I know it doesn't say in the original Hebrew, but it has to have been. And, and then there's San Pellegrino water, ice cold. And, and then the Lord says, Elijah, get up. And I'm expecting him to say, Elijah, get up and have your quiet time. But he doesn't. He says, Elijah, get up, eat the bread, drink the water, 
have another sleep. Get up, eat the bread, drink the water, have another sleep. Elijah, your first problem is you're exhausted. I mean, defeating 450 prophets of Baal is, is hard work. It's exhausting work. I mean, you had to climb up Mount Carmel to start with. That would have, that would have finished me off. Sometimes we are more spiritual than God. He knows how he made us. And sometimes I've thought, why can't I pray longer? And the first answer is, because I'm exhausted. Have you noticed it's much harder to pray when you're exhausted? How many, how many times have, have we, while we've been praying, we've fallen asleep? And then I get really cross with myself. And, and I, I said to a friend recently, I said, oh, I, was, I was praying to the Lord and I fell asleep while I was praying. That, how can I do that to him? And my friend said, I wonder how the Lord feels about that. I wonder whether the Lord was, oh, he's fallen asleep. Wake up so we can finish the conversation. Or is it, he said, like one of my sons, my little boys, while I'm holding him, he falls asleep. Do I say, wake up so we can talk? No, I love it that he's asleep in my presence, that he's asleep in my arms. And so the first thing that the Lord does is he meets Elijah's physical needs because he made us as physical beings. Then when Elijah is strong enough physically, the Lord takes him up Mount Horeb. Now, if Mount Carmel is the mountain of victory in the scripture, Mount Horeb is the mountain of encounter. Mount Horeb, otherwise known as Mount Sinai, it had two names, is the place where God met Moses at the burning bush. Moses encountered God at the burning bush. It was the place where the Lord gave Moses the Ten Commandments years later. It is the mountain of encounter. And the Lord takes Elijah up the mountain. And then we read this. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And listen to how Elijah replies. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Elijah, even though he'd had a rest, he was still having a pity party. And I, 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 have, I, I, I throw pity parties all the time. You know, and I'm the only one at the party. And that's how it works. I'm, the, I'm all on my own. I'm the only one left. And when we get to that place, we always feel alone. We always feel no one really understands us. Nobody really gets us. And then the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. 
And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Now this, if God has dealt first of all with Elijah's physical needs, here he is dealing with Elijah's spiritual needs. And, and when there came the, the, the earthquake and the wind, Elijah would have thought, oh, this is the Lord because it's spectacular. This is the Lord, but the Lord was not in the earthquake and the wind. Uh, but when the fire came, he would have been absolutely certain that this was the Lord because the fire came when it was the Lord on Mount Carmel. It, the fire came, he would have known on the burning bush. The fire has to be God, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then came a still small voice, a gentle whisper. And what the Lord was saying to Elijah and what he says to me every time I get to that place is, Elijah, you can't rely on the earthquake, wind and fire experiences. You can't, you can't live off the conferences. You can't live off the mountaintop. You know, it's great going to the tops of mountains now and again because there's a great view. You get vision there. But hardly anything grows on the tops of mountains. Do you know where things grow? In the valleys. That's where things grow. And that's where we're meant to do life. That's where we're meant to meet with God. And, and the Lord was saying, you're looking for me in the spectacular, in the earthquake, wind and fire. And when you look for me in the spectacular, you miss me in the intimate and in the mundane. And now I want you to hear my gentle whisper and you can hear my still small voice in the valley every day, all the time. You can be in my presence. And then, straight after that, this is hilarious. The Lord says to him again, what are you doing here, Elijah? And you would have thought he'd have changed his story by now. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. <laughs> it, it was. He sucked his thumb. And, and do you know, when the Lord begins to meet with us, sometimes, I don't know about you, but with me, it takes a while for my brain and my emotions to catch up. It takes a while for me to, for me to work it through. And here was Elijah. He was still stuck on his old record. He was still stuck on the old story. I'm the only one left. And listen to what he says. I've been very zealous. Do you know, at the end of festival conferences in the summer in England, after 5, 10, 15, after 25 days on a campsite with young people. Oh, thank you. That's very, that's very kind. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, oh, lovely. Sweets. <laughs> you, you, could you come and join our church in Watford? <laughs> this is... Hmm. And um, 
No one does that at my church. <laughs> but <clears throat> I forgot what I was saying now. Um, yeah, and, and do you know, after I've, I've 25 days with thousands of young people, you know, I go home on my own, I say, I've worked really hard for you, God. I've been very zealous for the Lord my God. And, and look at me, look at me. I'm here on my own. I'm here going up the wall. And that was Elijah. So what's the last thing that the Lord does? He says, Elijah, go down the way you came. And do you remember Elijah has been saying, I'm all on my own? He keeps saying it. Three times he says it. I'm the only one left. I'm all on my own. And now Elijah, now after he's met him in the still small voice, the Lord says to Elijah, by the way, you know you keep saying you're the only one left. Well, actually, there are 7,000 others who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. You're not the only one left. And when I, I first read that, I, I, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why on earth didn't you tell him that at the beginning? You would have saved yourself a whole load of moaning and groaning. The first time he said, I'm the only one left, you could have said, no, you're not. Why did he wait to tell him? Because if he'd have told Elijah any earlier, Elijah would have relied on the 7,000 others. And the Lord wanted him to rely on him. He wanted to rely on an intimate relationship with the Lord his God in the still small voice, the gentle whisper. And then when it, as if it didn't matter, he says, by the way, you were wrong. You were never on your own. And the, so the first thing that God does is um, he meets his physical needs. Then he meets his spiritual needs. And finally, uh, the Lord uh, meets his emotional needs. He's been complaining about being on his own. So what's the first thing that happens when Elijah comes down from Mount Horeb? He meets Elisha. And Elisha becomes his friend and his companion until the day Elijah is transported to heaven. Elisha goes everywhere with him and they do the ministry together. Because God knows that we have physical needs and spiritual needs and emotional needs. It's not good for any human being to be alone. And that's why God provides us with, with families and the family of the church that we would not do this on our own. And I can say that with feeling because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a single person. Um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm never married. And, and there have been moments when I've, I've, I've felt, oh, you know, and as an introvert, most of the time, it's wonderful. I love living alone. I mean, honestly, I, I mean, and sometimes I've said, oh, gosh, my married friends, what they have to go through. You know, they, I mean, they have to be home at a certain time. They have, to, they have to clear the table. They have to put the garbage out. They have, to, they have to go on family holidays. They have to have budgets. And I said to one of my friends, I said, you know, it's wonderful. 
I can go where I want, when I want. I can spend what I want, how much I want. I can go anywhere on holiday. I don't have to I don't have to go to school parent days. I don't have to I don't have to do any of that. And my friend looked at me and said, "It must be really nice to be able to be that selfish." <laughs> oh, stab me in the heart, why don't you? And do you know what I realized? Is that I realized that as a as a single person, my my things, if you're married, all that you are and all that you have belongs to him and you're to share. If you're single, to my horror I discovered, all that you are and all that you have belongs to him to share. And so now, I promise you, I have lost count of the number of people who have keys to my house. I spend 40% of my year traveling, coming to places like this. And when I get back, I go to my house and I know people have been there because my bookshelves are not quite as full as they were. I have people come and steal my books and, and they don't ask me and I love it. I love it and it's wonderful to be able as a single person to give of your time and, and to do exactly the same thing. So that's one thing. But the other thing I wanted to say is as we build relationships, they're a gift for all of us. I finish with this. I finish with this story and then we're going to pray. Um, some uh, years ago, um, I was, I'd been speaking at some event and I was driving home and I was tired. And as I was driving home, I remember thinking, gosh, I'm starting to feel a little bit low and I'm going to go home to my home on my own uh, I, I think it's going to be not a good night. And then it was about 10.30 at night. And I knew that if I went left, I'd go to my house. But if I went right, there was a couple in my church called Dennis and Miriam. And they're older than me. And they've been, they've been my friends for 35 years. I was best man at their son's wedding. Um, their grand, two of their grandsons have been my interns. Can you believe that? And anyway, they've been my friends for years. And I knew they lived. If I turned right, they, and I thought, I can't go at 10.30 at night. That is, you just don't do that to the house. And I thought, well, I'll just drive by and see if the lights are on downstairs. And the lights were on downstairs. So I drove into their drive. I knocked on the door. Miriam answered. And she said straight away, Mike, how lovely to see you. Come in. I'm just making a cup of cocoa for Dennis. Would you like one? And I thought, something stronger would have been nice. <laughs> Christians. Um, and, uh, but I said, yes, all my life I've been waiting for a cup of cocoa. And I went into the living room and Dennis started talking about football, soccer. And uh, he was a soccer referee and about someone he'd sent off. And, and then Miriam came in and we chatted about all sorts of things. After about 30, 40 minutes, uh, Dennis said, well, it's been wonderful to be together and to have fellowship. Why don't we say a prayer before we all go to bed? And we stood up and they both put their arms around me. And Dennis prayed, Lord, thank you for our friendship. 
and thank you that you have been with us. Bless us now as we go our separate ways and go to bed. And then they said goodbye to me at the front door. I got in the car. As I drove away, I realised that not once, well, that I realised that I was just light as a feather, that the feeling low had gone completely. And then I realised not once had they asked me how I was. In all that time, they hadn't asked me once. Do you know why? Because a few weeks earlier, I was preaching and as an aside, I said, sometimes when I come home from speaking at meetings, I can feel a bit low. It was just an aside. And Miriam came up to me straight after and she said, the next time you feel like that, you come to our house. We don't care if it's two o'clock in the morning. You knock at our door. I, we will not have you going home feeling low on your own. They didn't ask me how I was because they didn't need to. They knew why I had turned up at 10.30 at night. And they were just what I needed, just my friends. I didn't need a counselling session. I discovered I needed a cup of cocoa. So, when we have those low times, and they happen to all of us, and, and the truth is, the last few years, if we're honest, it must be for you. In England, we, I mean, we spent months not being able to leave the house when things were at their worst. We, 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 I mean, and there's been, many have not yet recovered. And there's been that, and now all the crises. The, uh, in England, we've got a horrific political crisis going on. We don't know who's going to be our prime minister. And I mean, they're, they're changing prime ministers more often than I change my socks, you know. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and, and the economic crisis, and, and is Vladimir going to start throwing nuclear bombs around and everything? And we're in a different world to the one that we were. And it's an uncertain world and it's a scary world. And particularly, folks, it's scary for our children, for the teenagers who are growing up now. We need to be aware of that. And the temptation to, to look for the earthquake, the wind and the fire to make us feel better and to miss the gentle whisper, the still small voice. He takes care of our physical needs, our spiritual needs and our emotional needs. We're going to pray, and uh, Ben and uh, Ben, Tom, why did I call you Ben? He's our worship pastor, and I've known him for years. I don't know where that came from. And um, why don't you come up? Is that? Oh, he's going to ask for money again. <laughs> who, who decides what salary he's on? It's obviously not enough. So things. Number one is, um, you know, Mike has been uh, that kind of friend to me when I've been at my wit's end, even recently. He was there for me to kind of talk things through. And um, the benefit of, of following Jesus is that that's offered to us both horizontally and vertically. And that we're going to sing a song and then um, we're going to invite 
have some ministry time that we could pray for one another, that we might experience the body of Christ with each other. Do you want to go that, into that now or sing a song first? Or no, what would you like to do? You're the vicar of this church. Yeah. By the way, he just got a wonderful, um, I can't remember the name, it's the order of like the most excellent OB, British Empire. Order of the British Empire, OBE? Oh, I, I, yeah. yeah, which is just below knighthood in England. Yeah. I'm serious now. He got that For honor. some bizarre reason, they gave me an, an, an MBE. And MBE. I, uh, yeah, and uh, oh, it's not. Okay, now that I've just wrecked the atmosphere. They, they must have had not many, ap you know, well, no, you don't apply for it, but yeah. they must have run out of people, but. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and I couldn't get one because I'm from Hawaii, so, but you got no, it. So no, I'm, 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 I'm a member of the Order of the British Empire, yeah, which is a bit strange because we haven't got a British Empire anymore. But so, so I'm the I'm the member of an order that doesn't exist, um, which is really rubbish. So why don't um, why don't why don't we sing a song and then um, as the Lord speaks to us, uh, Mike and maybe I will um, alert us to certain things that the Lord might be wanting to do during this service, because I think what's very important, we've heard a wonderful presentation of God's Word, and we heard about God, but it's always important in a service to experience God, and not only in the singing, but what we're about to do. Um, Mike, you can guide us in the next part. Okay. We're, we're going to continue to worship with a final song or two of, of worship. We're conscious of the time. But if God has spoken to you and you'd love someone to pray for you, as we sing this, maybe just come and just stand somewhere here at the front and, and others will come and pray for you. And, and all it is, is just inviting the Spirit of God to rest on you. And particularly, if you know what I was talking about, maybe you're feeling physically exhausted. Maybe spiritually. It's, the last few years have taken their toll in many churches and, and you just long the, for the Lord to refresh you or maybe emotionally you're at your wits end and, uh, or just tired, just tired. This can be a time of refreshing. So I would encourage you just to maybe just come and stand here and by doing that you're saying, here I am Lord, I present myself to you and there will be others in the church. They won't counsel you, they won't ask you questions. I'll just put a hand on your shoulder and pray blessing on you if you would like that. So Yeah, and, and I would just add as we are singing and I was praying, um, I had this word, a very interesting word, come to my mind, um, arteriosclerosis, which is kind of a hardening of the arteries. But I, maybe the Lord is saying, maybe somebody has that issue and would like to come forward for healing, but also in a spiritual sense that maybe you felt my spiritual veins have been hardened over the years, or maybe because of recent times, and, and something that Mike said or during the singing is starting to melt that away, and this would be appropriate time to walk forward and have prayer, that the Lord will um, be even more present and that hardening might disappear. So for you too, as we sing, maybe you can come forward, and our prayer team, can you come forward, and uh, we'll just pray for you. And as Mike said, just very silently, they'll just put a hand on your shoulder. You don't have to tell them what's going on. And uh, just in a very gentle, non-threatening way, we'll just pray for you. But sometimes we need to take that step out of the cave and come down the mountain to see a friend like Elisha. Mm -hmm. 
Well, just before the final uh, blessing benediction, I just want to say if people want more prayer, the prayer team will also be through the glass doors out there uh, to pray with you. In fact, maybe Mariana, you can go there since they're mostly down here just in case. And, um, and again, if you're new, we'd love to see you either at the espresso bar on the other side or downstairs join us in Honey's for some gumbo. And we flew in special Louisiana sausage and chicken for that. So um, you might want that. And, uh, and also, those of you online, you can hit the button and people will pray for you if you hit the, the prayer button. And that would be awesome too. So um, please receive this uh, blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you all. I'll see you next week. And ahui uh, ho for those of you online. Our God is a loving God. He knows us and he provides for our needs. God is with us even in the mundane times of our lives. If you want to catch up on or listen again to previous services, visit our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Pres sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. Join First Pres for church. Come on down. We meet in person and online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 10 a.m. at the Vine in Kaka'ako, or online through the websites. And remember, when you visit the website, check out the news page to keep up with everything that's happening at First Pres. You can also sign up for emails, listen to or watch sermons, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Pres can do for you, please reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.